0: Just spend a moment to wait on the Lord to enjoy His presence. Jesus paid an incredible sacrifice on the cross so that we could have a moment like this where we can come directly to the Father through the Son by the spirits and have direct access to the God of all creation. I just want you to soak that in. That you can come to the God who created the earth, the galaxies, the stars and the heavens, and yet He knows you intimately. He knows you by name. He made and designed you, unique in your personality. If He didn't want you to be here, you wouldn't have been created but he has a unique plan and purpose and desire for your life. And I know life is hard and I know many probably come in discouraged or fearful or anxious, but I just want you to enjoy simply being right now. Enjoy the gift of being alive because it was given to you by the God of all creation. So would you take a moment and just be. Don't feel the need to say anything. You don't have to prove your worth to God right now. He already made you worthy by saying, I want you here. I created you. Just be here. So it all starts with that understanding of knowing that we are loved by God, that we are a child of God. And it's only natural when God understands that there are things we just want to bring before Him. So we started in the right place, just in gratitude for being alive, being created, knowing we are loved. But the Bible does say we can cast all of our cares and anxieties on Him because He cares for us. So now you can take a moment and go ahead and cast those cares and anxieties, the things you're carrying on your heart, whether it be uh, deep hurts, whether it be just things you're feeling for other people, whether it be the broken uh, relationships that are uh, consuming you right now, cast your cares and anxiety on him because he cares for you. He understands, he already knows every detail about your life, but there is something powerful about saying, Lord Jesus, I bring it to your feet. I'm gonna trust This thing, I'm going to entrust it into your hands, into your loving care. So go ahead and do that. Cast all your cares before Him. And lastly, we experience the confirmation that we are loved, which enables us to bring our cares before a loving God. But let's remember that God also speaks to us, we don't only speak to Him. So just take a moment, <clears throat> it's okay if you hear nothing in this moment, but we need to practice listening to God in community, and let's just listen through the Holy Spirit, that God may want to just speak something that surprises you this morning. Maybe it's a revelation in your life. Maybe it's Him just whispering a key action step for you. Maybe it's just a word He puts in your heart that is just so special and meaningful for you that you can dwell on. Maybe He gives you a word or a picture. Maybe He drops a verse in your heart it's really up to him and if you hear nothing then just enjoy his presence let's just take a moment to listen see if god wants to say anything specifically to you this morning Lord, we thank you that you're here. We thank you that you speak, Lord. We don't want to be a people in a hurry. We want to enjoy who you are. We want to receive the incredible gift of your presence that you paid an incredible price for. So, Lord, what we've done in this brief moment, may it take us throughout our week, may be something we practice daily before you, Lord, of enjoying you, bringing our requests, and of listening before you, Thank you for this time, Lord. Thank you that you welcome us with such wide, open, loving arms. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated if you're not already. And uh, thanks for engaging the heart of God uh, with us together. And I encourage you to do that throughout the week. Um, And this is... Part of how I pray often is I just start by remembering that I'm loved by God, that I'm a child of God, and then in that feeling of safety and and assurance, then I know I can bring what I'm feeling and my request before God, and then always spend time to listen, make it a two-way conversation. I have just a little bit of ring um, behind me there, or not behind me, actually, in front of me. Well, it's uh, time. Now for what is a little bit of an annual tradition in our church. Last week you got the uh, the tradition of our New Year's Blessing Service, and often we follow that up with uh, what we call our New Year's Nuggets uh, message. And for those of you not around in previous years, it's kind of a once-a-year gathering of some uh, nuggets of thoughts uh, or nuggets of wisdom, perhaps, maybe you'll you can decide. But either things that are on were on my heart or mind, or just things that didn't make it into other messages, and I just kind of put them all in a file throughout the year, and uh, then I just bring them out and put them together for New Year's nuggets at the end of the year. And you know, Scripture actually does this uh, a lot of times as well. There's a lot of examples of kind of uh, nuggets-type passages in the Bible. Uh, The book of Proverbs is kind of like this, it's just kind of like a nugget here, a nugget there. Uh, Paul and other New Testament writers, sometimes at the end or somewhere else in their letters, they'll just start giving uh, little pieces of advice that kind of don't fit with everything else they were doing in the letter. And so you find this uh, kind of at the end of Colossians and 1 Thessalonians. Thessalonians or or Hebrews there, and uh, so this morning I'm doing something like that by serving up kind of a uh, four-piece order of nuggets. Uh, We don't preach as long as we used to for various reasons, and so now you get more of a a, a happy meal serving uh, of nuggets, Uh, and if you're a parent or a grandparent, uh, you're familiar, a happy meal is four nuggets. Uh, of course. So uh, after the service, you'll receive uh, at least half a Happy Meal, uh, two nuggets uh, out in the lobby, and that's just kind of something fun we do, where we have a few nuggets after the service. We haven't done this in a couple years because of COVID and all that, so excited to kind of return that fun little uh, tradition. But as you'll see, uh, somewhat surprisingly, just as I put these nuggets uh, together, uh, they all really theme together quite nicely and sort of flow into a logical progression. And so we'll just jump right into it. Uh, Nugget number one is that what we do is as important as what we believe. There's often an overemphasis on what Christians believe and often us engaging uh, maybe conflict or controversy about our beliefs only in a way that has hurt the witness of the church now don't hear me wrong some of you are concerned for a moment what we believe is it's is essential it's of the utmost importance it's what unites us together we can't be wishy-washy about what we believe we can't just be anything goes anything is truth truth is whatever you want it to be that's not what i'm saying Eventually, it's important people know what we believe, and they make a choice of whether or not they will submit themselves to that truth, which, as the last nugget we'll talk about, is costly. But before someone comes to that point, Christianity should be attractive based on what Christians do and how they act. Uh, Tim Keller said, there's, says there's three keys to people coming to faith or considering Christianity. He says that people need to know Christianity is, number one, respectable. And what he means is that this refers to our behavior, what we do, our actions, just who we are as people. What are we known for? Number two, he says it needs to be desirable, meaning that they wish or hope that it is true. And if you know the Christian faith and its core beliefs and what it teaches about the world and the future, you want it to be true, right? It's, it's desirable. And then thirdly, believable. So this is referring to what we believe and its actual credibility as truth. So the first and second being respectable and desirable may need to come first before someone arrives at number three, that it is believable, getting to the core of what we believe. And so, you know, I love that I know from talking to people around our community that when people think of our church, that they often think of, man, oh, yeah, that's, that's the church that cares for the homeless. That's the church that stepped up and, and ran a cold weather shelter when nobody else would. That's the church that runs the breakfast program for kids in need. That's the church that I can call when there's a need because I know that they respond. That's the church where my support... Group meets. That's the church where I, I pick up my good food bag, my fruits and vegetables on Thursday, and they warmly greet me with coffee and popcorn. That's the church that cared for my aging parents, that called them and visited regularly. I remember that. That's the church that does the summer camp for kids or the scavenger hunt at Easter. I mean, wouldn't you rather be that that's what people think of rather than that's the church that is against fill in the blank? Right? Or that's the church that believes blank is wrong or a sin. Again, don't hear me wrong. Right? We are a conservative, Bible-believing church that upholds the orthodox and historical teachings of the church, including on things like marriage and sexuality and abortion. And we're not ashamed of those. But that's not the first thing I want people to think of when they think of my faith or the church I worship at. And why is this so important? Well, besides reminding us what James in chapter two already tells us in verses 17 and 20, that our, our, our faith or what we believe is useless without action or right living and good deeds. He says, faith without works is dead. Besides that, it actually really matters on a social and political level because the government and culture is getting actually really nitpicky and hyper-focused on what Christians believe rather than what they do. And the temptation is then for us as a reaction to actually also become very hyper-focused only on what we believe, which only enlarges the issues and the problems. So for example, lots of Christian charities are in danger of losing their charitable status and tax-exempt status over their essential doctrine. Uh, which is definitely weird uh, that the government's getting involved in Christian doctrine, but it's happening. But it's getting to the point where an organization such as ours that says we don't believe medical assistance in dying is actually right and the most compassionate uh, response to suffering, or we believe life uh, begins at conception and should be protected, or or we believe just because you're uh, attracted to the same sex, it doesn't mean you have to act on it to live a fulfilling life, and the government is saying, okay, if that's what you believe. You can't be tax-exempt or a charitable organization, or you can't receive this funding, which has happened uh, already to us. And so there's just way too much focus on Christian beliefs rather than what we actually do with our lives which should show what we believe. And it's sometimes somewhat our fault because, you know, we focus on these issues and make them central at the expense of highlighting just who we are as followers of Jesus and what we do. But one thing we can do to counteract that is continually highlight how our faith is about action and the teachings of Jesus, I mean, read the Gospels. Don't focus as much on these things as they do uh, the larger issues of what we do, our actions, how we treat people, including our enemies and those who persecute us or mistreat us and the overall condition of our hearts. So the second nugget related, uh, and this nugget takes three, three bites because it's a little bit longer. Uh, evangelism is hard in our context, this context I'm describing. It's all about connections and trust, or maybe relationships and trust. But trust and connections take time, three bites. What I'm saying is there are a lot of people who won't just come to church or start considering the ways of Jesus just because you want them to. It goes back to people first being convinced that this is respectable and desirable. So let me tell a few stories uh, to show how these connections just build over time. And these are good things to celebrate and just remind us why this all matters. So uh, first, we, some of you know we were collecting uh, firewood for a family in need. We heard of a need of a family that was really struggling. They came on some hard times. They were using construction scraps to kind of heat their home and all this stuff. And so we thought, hey, we can do something about this. It's just a local family in Arrington. And so uh, we started collecting firewood for them. We did it twice. Uh, We took them just over and above, beyond, because you were all so generous and responded. And so we took them the firewood. They were so appreciative. And then it turns out, uh, a week or two later, Uh, They come in the church on Thursday to pick up their good food bag and they say, hey, hey, I know you guys like you guys brought the firewood to my house. Thanks so much for that. That was awesome. Awesome. And then when we put together all these turkey dinners and Christmas uh, gift baskets and stuff for families uh, in our local area who are in need, turns out, because we worked through the elementary school with that and we don't always know who the families are, but it turns out they were one of the families who then received all these gifts from Oceanside that has like, you know, our church logo on it and stuff and we put a card in there and all that kind of stuff. And so they received that as well and they, they actually wrote us a beautiful thank you card that just said, you know, thanks for all you've done for my family and all that you think they don't think the church is respectable and this is desirable to live this way, right? And so those connections just kind of build as you go uh, throughout the community. Uh, Another great story is another family a few years ago uh, that we uh, were did one of those gifts uh, Christmas kind of things for, and this is actually one just we as a church knew about personally. We knew that they weren't uh, believers or anything, and so we took them the gifts and everything, and they were the, I remember the, the, uh, the woman just weeped uh, at the door as we brought these things. Uh, she said, I'm just going through such a, a hard time and, and, you know, had kind of a uh, husband had left and different things like that. And so a few years later, we're doing our Treat the Street event this past uh, fall. Tally was there, yay. And, um, you know, we have hot chocolate and donuts and candy and there's signs about the church and it's just saying, hey, this is from, you know, our church just to you. And, you know, this lady comes by and she says, I know who you guys are. You know, you brought those gifts to my house." And so Thomas got a chance to talk to her and invite her to church and just kind of, uh, you know, reconnect uh, with her because he was the one who had delivered the gifts. But isn't that cool? Just how those connections and relationships, they build trust and there's, uh, they just kind of connect and come together. And sometimes in today's world, in today's culture, it takes a lot of all those little things for somebody to then kind of be like, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into Jesus," or, yeah, yeah, I guess I, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll come to church. So it takes that time. We have to build relationship and trust. But of course, I'm not saying that we just stop there by doing things. So nugget number three is it is good to recognize that eventually the only real solution is Jesus. So you might think I'm saying, all we need to do is these good things and everything will come together. People will just immediately fall in love with Jesus. No, I know it's not that easy. And eventually we do need to share the gospel and the truth and the hope that we have in Jesus. We can't just stop at doing good works only, but we must show what and who inspires us to live this way, which is Jesus. And you know, people are just, they're looking for something to commit their lives to, something for meaning in their lives, to keep them going and answer. And we need to make sure Jesus is at least one of those considerations, whether they accept Him or not, which isn't up to us. And we're living in just a hurting and very broken world with incredibly broken people and broken lives around us. And what is the answer to this hurting world? What What will actually heal people's souls? Well, the world offer, offers all kinds of answers. I saw these napkins at QF uh, in the store, and this was this is part of the world's answer. It says wine is the answer. It just like struck me. I'm like, whoa, wine is the answer? Like that's gonna heal the problems of the world? And listen, I'm not opposed necessarily, necessarily to, to drinking. I'm not saying that, I don't, I don't drink myself, but the, the idolatry of alcohol, and particularly wine in our culture, right? I mean, for example, this is, I saw this in Qualicum Beach in a store, and it just blew me away. As for me and my house, we will serve wine, sip 24-7, of course, playing off the biblical verse. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, Joshua 1 and then pulled this image off of Walmart. So this is like mainstream, uh, kind of mainstream home goods, I guess. Is that really the answer to people's problems? What is really the answer to our societal problems and the problems of people's lives? In recent years, some have made it to just avoid sickness at all costs. to stay healthy right that's kind of become essentially their religion what consumes them what they live their lives by and how they think about their life and listen i'm i'm all for taking care of yourself if the motivation is so that you can serve others better right and i try to eat well and exercise and get enough sleep i take my vitamin d i suck on my zinc supplements so that i can be you know well and healthy and therefore able serve others wholeheartedly, and I'm thankful by the Lord's incredible grace I haven't been sick once this whole fall or winter season, and I'm around a lot of people. It's not like I'm avoiding people. But is staying healthy, avoiding sickness as much as possible, is that what's going to make us happy and solve our problems? What's the answer to what ails us? It really is only Jesus. And eventually, we do have to take that step where we've shown people we love them, care for them, and because of that love, we want them to know Jesus, where we can say, hey, I know something that's better than wine, that beats just staying healthy. And that's hard because eventually, we must all be faced with choosing, which is the last nuggets, the way of the cross over the way of convenience. The truth is we can make Christianity attractive, and it should be, but ultimately, to become a true believer and true disciple, we must choose the way of the cross over the way of convenience, the narrow and hard path, but one that leads to life, rather than the broad and easy path, which leads to destruction, and people often want easy answers they want immediate results instant gratification confirmation quick solutions to the things that ail their soul very few people want the sacrifice of the cross often people will come and seek uh, some advice or from some help for something they're going through and this has happened just so so many times that i feel pretty confident in saying that they'll share their story or situation right that that their marriage is falling apart, they're addicted to pornography, they're in major financial debt, whatever it is. And I'll say, well, this is probably what it's going to take. And it's usually lengthy, hard work. You know, do these counseling sessions, read this material, take these steps, you know, show me your spending habits. Let's create a budget together. Let's work on this. Let's see what Scripture says. Go through this discipleship course on, you know, money management or sexual integrity like we're doing and these sorts of things. And I've just experienced this too many times that they never follow through or come back because they're looking for easy answers. They want a quick solution, maybe even justification for their sin, They want the way of convenience instead of the way of the cross. And kind of like the rich young ruler, they go away sad. But aren't you glad that Jesus took the hard road for us? That our sinful actions and desire for convenience will always be forgiven because of his action on the cross. We will undoubtedly choose the way of convenience. It's just the way we're wired. It's a part of our sinful nature. But Jesus chose the way of the cross. And therefore, we can be forgiven. And we can always start anew. And we can always start afresh. And we can say, okay, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to follow the way of the cross. I want to take the long road of discipleship. And that's part of what we remember and celebrate at this table the road of suffering Jesus took for our sin, for our redemption.